Hello, and welcome to Repertory Screenings, episode 51. I'm your host, and with me are my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. And we're here to talk about goddamn movies. Who has seen a goddamn movie? I've seen a movie. Uh, was it goddamned? It was pretty goddamned. All right. Then tell us <laughs> about the movie. Uh, I was, you know, continuing my, my work of trying to clear out my Plex server, watching all these old movies. I watched Battleship Potemkin. Um, which is fucking good. Everything I've never seen everyone, it. You should watch Battleship I don't even, I don't, Is it about a battleship? Yes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about it, I'll be honest with you. You, you know what? You should watch Battleship Potemkin. Don't look it up. Just go watch Battleship Potemkin. Um, okay. Is it like was, three hours long? No. no. It's 90 minutes long. Oh, great. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not it. Metropolis. I mean, here's the thing is, any movie that's like famous from before 1980, I assume is three hours long. That's just my brain. They're either, that's... they're either 27 minutes or three hours. That's it. There's no middle ground. <laughs> it is a tight 90. A tight okay. 90. Uh, mm. and it's, it's good. It's, you know, obviously, um, talk to death movie, uh, will not surprise you to know that, um, you know, the editing in that movie is incredible that the mm-hmm. soviets were on some other shit because uh, then afterwards i, I watched uh, the next movie in my uh you know plex library and i'm way more uh, vicious about just like skipping stuff because i'm not gonna watch all these old movies i'm just gonna watch some of them uh but i watched uh, the general after that which is very funny but going from like a movie where like modern editing has arrived fully formed in like, yeah. <laughs> to back to you know uh the static shots to uh do uh comedy gags of a buster keaton movie and the very funny comedy gags i mean it's no it's no um uh, in fact, Jr., but. with the tech, with the technology, you couldn't do a lot of those gags without static camera stuff. Yes, I understand that like the form works that way, and you know, yeah. Buster Keaton is fucking great. Uh, love his movies, and that was this is fine. It was my favorite one, but it was a great one of those. But it really did uh, like help to underline just how huge uh, B- Battleship Potemkin, and I guess like more broadly, like the uh, Soviet montage work is for cinema yeah, the at this o- time. The only one of those I've seen is Man with the Movie Camera, which. Like I assume everyone here has seen, right? I have. I saw you. I have not seen that one, but I I am into. You should. I I mean, that one's really short, and that one's coming up. That might be in the next couple weeks. uh, Um, so I'll probably watch that one soon. But that one's like that's like a city documentary one. That's like yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's super experimental and interesting, and yeah, it's just footage of a city. This is um, uh, this this is like the movie is the movie with actors the whole thing's yeah. you know uh, so, so it's far more like modern um you know this, this is just oh we found it we have discovered cinematic editing that will be used for the next however many years to come yeah. uh and it's it's there uh it's great i i guess uh, destiny you're gonna go next yeah you should go next actually. oh i watched the movie pure yes which um, was oh go ahead I was going to, so Hulu has a horror anthology show called Into the Dark, where they, they made a bunch of movies. The episodes are like full movies with like new, like separate directors, separate cast or whatever. But they put them together and they're all themed around each one's like a different holiday. And we picked, I didn't even realize this when we picked it. You just said that you'd heard someone talk about it. And we picked Pure, which is the final episode of the first season, which is about Daughter's Day, which I'm like, what's Daughter's Day? And the answer is Daughter's Day is a horrible, like conservative Christian, like nonsense holiday. Yeah. It's about essentially the purity culture and how they do these purity balls where girls pledge their virginity, like to save their virginities until marriage and their dads are the protectors of the virginity. And so the movie takes place at a camp where, uh, 
everyone's assumed to be a virgin and they're all there with their dads and the girls like summon the sort of force of Lilith and uh, just on a lark and end up uh unleashing dark brutal forces that they don't understand uh yeah i watched this with you i i didn't think this was that good like it's fine I had it's okay it wasn't time. scary like, i would not recommend this to anyone necessarily <laughs> but I, you know it was a fine it was a fine 90 minutes yeah i i would recommend it for people who just like uh women-centric horror as like an oddity but like it's it's not that good <laughs> yes i think you could do better even in that subgenre. Um, of course, of course. But yeah, I feel like if so. you're interested in that and you like movies like in that vein, uh, yes. I think it's worth watching. I, I do want um, to go and check out some of the other. I just want to know what what does the Thanksgiving movie look like and why is it not? What's the what was the Thanksgiving movie in um, Grindhouse? Jackson, I believe you it was just called Thanksgiving. OK. I don't know why Jackson would know that. <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, Grand House trailers movies is what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. I'm always talking about um There know. was there was Machete, there is the Werewolf Woman of the SS, there was Don't, Don't. Uh and I guess Thanksgiving were the ones. Um Don't was my favorite. Yes. Um Jackson's you don't know these. Don't was clearly meant to be like a British hammer horror well, trailer. I did know that because Don't said go right, right? Yeah. But yeah. the the whole thing with the way the trailer's constructed is it's, it's one of those trailers where they don't want to let you know that people aren't American. So it's just like reaction shots as the narrator goes, <laughs> This this fall, don't go in. Don't look behind you. <laughs> if you Amazing. are thinking of something, don't don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so I restarted my Letterboxd um, in that I've had one forever, but I'm going to go back and start putting stuff in it. Um, I haven't gotten everything between now and when I stopped using it in 2019, but I will do my best. So if you want to do that, you know, it's just EM underscore being, I'm pretty sure. Either that or just EM being like no underscore. Kind of depends on if the service supports an underscore or not. Um, but we had been talking, it's like, it's on the upcoming VoIP life, but we were talking about like what this podcast is and, uh, how I, we use it to like fill in our gaps. Um, and I was like, I was, I was in a mood because of that discussion. And last night I was like, I hadn't watched anything for this. And I like to have a movie to come in. And I was like, I'm just going to Criterion. I'm going to go to what's leaving this month. And I'm going to watch a thing that I've been meaning to watch and that I wouldn't get to otherwise. Cause I don't, I don't feel it, it, like moved enough to watch it. And so I watched American movie, um, which is a 1999 documentary by Chris Smith about the making of a real, like, no-budget horror movie called Coven, uh, directed by independent filmmaker Mark Borchat Chart, uh, which is about him with, like, no money, uh, like, a, a, a separated wife who hates him and, like, a burgeoning <laughs> alcohol problem, trying to make this, like, this, you know, very rural horror film with, like, six dollars to rub together and he's gonna use that if it does well and he's like asking his like elderly father grandfather for money um he's just going around trying to hit people for money and it's like if i can sell if i can sell three thousand tickets to this movie then i'll have enough money to make the movie i really want to make which is like some vague epic called northwestern um and i so i watched like 20 minutes of this before i was like I don't think this is a mockumentary. I think this is real. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's real. <laughs> it yes, it's real. A, it's, not a, it's not a mockumentary. This is famously it, real. Yeah, because it, I, I didn't know that much about it. Then Destiny was like, oh, you have to watch this. You'd love it. And I did. But um, 
I um I was like, oh, I thought I just assumed this was like meant to be like this, and because in a world where like you know Napoleon Dynamite came out, right? <laughs> like I I I know how I watched this and was like, I think uh, like I just assumed this was a fake thing, and then it turned out to be a real thing because the characters are awkward in the way that people trying to be normal people often can act awkward as like a like an affectation, but it just wears away because of how like hard it goes and how often it it isn't. It isn't like funny necessarily, and also, uh, like, he's he's hustling. He's like actually hustling in a way that you're you're like watching it, and it's like, damn. Um, sometimes making stuff is just like you got an idea, and you're just doing what you can to get people to agree with it. Um, it made me think of F or Fake a lot, and I don't know why. I do know why. It's that like Orson Welles is like someone who who basically his career is over at that point. He's like he's like got he's got a, a mystique about him. He has like the aura that he exudes and the power to do what he wants on his own time, but he can't get the funding to make a real movie because movies cost fucking money. Real money. And that's the difference between like a movie and what people are shooting in the woods is that there's real money involved. Um and uh so he just makes it like a fuck off thing with his like family goofing off about what stories are and this movie in in its own way ends up being like a, a real a real version of that which is about like the difference between people with dreams and people who are in the industry is just like luck and access you just fall into it like when they're doing their production meetings and he's running down the budget and he's like looking at this i'm like this is not categorically different than what real people do they just have like a structure to support them and they have experience so they're not like talking out their ass the way these characters are sometimes talking out their ass like he's he's desperate He's trying to find someone to like shoot a, like can you frame a, a shot and he's like what are you talking about he's like well if there's action we put it in the middle of the camera he's like yes i can do that he's like okay good you're the cameraman um there's a famous scene where he, he's trying to do a stunt where someone gets their head thrown through like a cabinet door and they're like scoring the backside of the cabinet door to get it to break but they don't know how deep to score it because no one knows what they're doing so the 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 thing just doesn't break. Like they smash this guy's head in and it doesn't shatter. So they have to go and score it again. And they smash this guy's head in, doesn't shatter. They score it again. By the end, it's like clearly looks like it's about to fall apart. If you like breathe on it wrong, but he, his head does go through it. Um, it just reminded me of like movies are hard undertakings. And often like when I watch like really low budget stuff, like it, it, they're easy to discount, but they are projects made by people who care often with like just a lack of access to like the things that we portray as like good like the, the the value judgments of movies often are about polish and and like the inertia of what is considered valid more than what is actually good um because like he, they show a bit of the coven and it opens on like these genuinely affecting shots of like the bog and like a guy running and then all the dialogue is like terribly adr'd and like it, it doesn't like it's not it's not what we conceive of as good but there's something there there's like work put in and like there's a vision even in like little bits that we see and i, I it was just good it just reminded me of why movies are good i, lo- I love this movie i thought it was incredible yeah that movie is a classic of the genre <laughs> of yes. just uh, yeah, I saw it pretty young, and I just remember uh, really having a lot of affection for all the characters in it. Is it, what's the guy's name, Mike? Yes. Uh, or Mark, Mark. Mark. Well, Mark, and then his friend is Mike. Oh, yes, his friend Mike, yes. Yeah. Just... <laughs> there's there's one shot that I just I just guffawed at, where, like, he's having he's having Mike, like, break the windshield of a, uh, like, a, they need a shot, they need sound effects of a windshield being broken. So they go out to a junkyard, <laughs> they have him just smash the windshield. And because it's, like, a real windshield, it doesn't smash the first time, like, in the movies. He's got to hit it, like, ten times, he's exhausted by the time he climbs off the car. And he goes up to him, he's like, oh, so was that cathartic? And he's like, what is cathartic? And he's like, 
like, oh, yeah, sure. And he just mumbles it. And he's like, do you know what cathartic means? And Mike goes, uh, no. And there's a lady with them who's, like, running the junkyard. And she just laughs in both their faces for having this conversation. And it's, like, so – it's, like, mean but not in, like, the, the affected way. It's just, like, this lady thinks these two are kind of charming but not – not a, not sympathetic enough to not laugh in their face when they're being like this. Um, and you'd never get that reaction in the way that she delivers this like short bark. She's like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I can't help myself. They're too silly. Um, in a, in a, like an actual movie, like a fiction thing. Um, yeah. And it was really good. I love that you thought it was a mockumentary at first. That tickles me. Um, I don't know what, just the way it's portrayed and like, because there's so many of this type of thing, right? Like it could have been, it could have been, uh, what's the, the room making of movie or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Oh. Um, like uh disaster, uh, disaster artist. artist yeah yeah like that between that and like you know the um the uh joaquin phoenix movies? i was thinking like the joaquin phoenix oh, like walk i'm gonna hard. do a rap career movie yeah 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 uh, not walk hard not walk hard what's that called uh i'm not there oh right i forgot I'm about that here. movie i'm still here right i'm not there's a different here. movie yes that's that bob dylan movie right yes okay yeah um yeah, it just it just hit like this weird, and you know we've seen after fake. It just hit in this weird spot where I wasn't sure what it was when I opened it up, and uh, it felt also it kind of felt like the opening of Blair Witch Two, which purports to be like real footage in a lot of instances, but is like kind of set up, and it just it operates in this weird space where this is where culture was at in the late nineties. I mean that makes sense because like the guys who directed Blair Witch Two directed like some kind of monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They directed, so like, they directed direct document- line. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, highly recommend it. It's leaving Criterion at the end of the month, but uh, if you have Criterion, you should you should watch this. It's really good. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad I watched it too. Okay, it's time for a movie this week. Our movie is Monty Python's Life of Brian, a 1979 comedy, uh, written by Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, and Michael Palin, also known as Monty Python. Directed by Terry Jones. Uh, uh, this came out in 1979. It is 94 minutes long. Uh, Jackson, what's this movie about? Make up? Nah, what? okay. I just did a noise. Oh, okay. That was my joke. Um, anyway, Monty Python's Life of Brian is, I guess I will just do a straight summary and not make fun yet. Uh, it is about in uh, you know uh, in the biblical era uh, when the Romans had imperiously uh, like the Romans were the imperial force in Judea. Um, Ju- uh, Jesus is born, uh, but next door someone else is born, and he is called Brian, and he is mistaken briefly for the Messiah uh, by the wise men, and then they realize it's not him and fuck off, and that's kind of the tone of the movie. He grows up. Uh, he is around when Jesus is around, and then this movie is about him um, being mistaken uh, for the Messiah, but not really Jesus. It's in fact a completely unrelated to Swords and Sandals comedy movie that Jesus happens to be around in. All of the like weird controversy about this being about uh, Jesus is just completely made up. Um, it's about him uh, signing up for the militia or the, of the People's Front of Judea to fall to like fight the uh, uh, to fight the Romans and. He kind of wanders into this uh, as this all uh, comedically blows up in his face. He gets captured. He gets he escapes. He gets captured. He escapes. In his attempts to escape, uh, he um, 
accidentally causes a bunch of people to believe him to be uh, uh, like one of the messiahs, but like by messiahs, I mean guy standing on the street preaching things. Uh, this uh, eventually comes into him being like a messiah figure for a day, uh, but then he's captured and crucified, and uh, every attempt to save him fails. And always look on the bright side of life plays as he dies. The end of the movie. It's it's a series, it's a series of skits. It is the most real movie I guess the Python's made, but it is an excuse for a series of skits. That's what they do. Yep. Um, this movie is bad. It is not this funny. Fucking sucks. And, and it's it's <laughs> it, the things it's about are often like offensive. You know, in like in a way that like is both sometimes deliberate and sometimes just it's you know fifty years on and people's perceptions of things have changed. Um. You know, in the time since we announced this and put this out, John Cleese once again showed his ass by not killing over dead and said saying something stupid about cancel culture or whatever. Um, I don't remember what it is. It happened. It's happened so often, and I it, I just put them out of it mind. Means, I just, just remember like, it just whatever. Oh, do you just yep. see John Cleese kind of go, "The dead? No, he basically nope. something stupid." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just that's just the way of the earth. Uh, yeah, this is a movie about. Uh, the the emotional crisis of the death of the British Empire and reconfiguring this into a view of uh, nihilistic individualism uh, as all structures are actually bad if you think about it and we shouldn't make the world better. That's what the movie's about, which I know is the most cartoonish thing for me personally to say about the fucking life of Brian, but it's also what the movie's about. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. Before I guess we have a que- we have another question about this, but I would like to just go in and like we'll blow this question now. What are people's like? histories with monty python i've seen holy grail uh that was one that everyone used to quote when i was in junior high i saw it at, because everyone was quoting it i was like oh, i need to see what this movie is because i have to know what what people are talking about and then i i enjoy holy grail i've seen it a couple times i don't think i'd ever want to watch it again necessarily i didn't like love it um but i didn't hate it um and that's it that's literally it for me i oh uh who wants to go next no you should yeah. go next oh, jackson okay. has to go last as the british person oh okay uh I had the same experience with Holy Girl that you did, except I was in third grade. Um, Everybody was quoting it then. Like, the two quotable comedies in my group of friends in third grade were (laughs) Young Frankenstein and The Holy Girl. (laughs) So I saw those both very, very young. And um, then Monty Python used to come on PBS when I was growing up, and I used to fight with my sister because I would always want to watch it over Saturday Night Live. Um, at least like the last, like, or excuse me, the first 30 minutes of Saturday Night Live, I always wanted to just watch Monty Python because I thought it was great. Um, I read that big oral history book of Monty Python in middle school. I watched all the movies. I watched as much of the show as I could. I was really into it. Like I could tell you all kinds of facts and I really followed them for a long time and remember them quite fondly and remember this movie fondly but oh boy <laughs> it does not hold up uh, jackson yeah it's basically it's honestly that not that different for me uh, i watched uh holy grail when i was a kid uh, i really liked it um i saw like brian i liked it a little less i just i don't but no no like reasons right i just thought it was less funny than the holy grail uh and I, I've seen some clips because, you know, just the cultural osmosis of Monty Python stuff. Uh, but I, I hadn't, like, ever wa- sat down and watched episodes of the show. And I mm. never saw Meaning of Life. Uh, so that's, yeah, just general experience of Monty Python there, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so the one thing I know about Monty Python is, like, they're all, like, 
college guys, right? Like, uh, Judson Palin were in Oxford and everyone else was like, came out of Cambridge or whatever. And the thing that I was struck by watching this movie is this is exactly the sort of like shitty, like, not, not like academia, but like collegiate person who thinks they're smarter than like everything around them attitude to the world. This is all British comedy. Like, like basically all British comedy. And then not, not all of it. Someone's about to correct me. A lot of British comedy over the last, like, 50, perhaps even more years is, like, the fucking Cambridge Footlights. That's all of culture. It's just people who came, went to Oxford and Cambridge, got into, like, doing sketch comedy or stand-up there, and that's culture. Um, even the, like, like, comedy I like, the alternative comedy I like, fucking, like, Stuart Lee went to Cambridge, I think he did. So, like, it's the whole thing. You don't get in without being that. The, uh, the funny thing, like my... Harvard here. Yes. Yeah. My, my, like framework of british humor is the original who's line which i just like um and uh the sitcom keeping up appearances which i don't even know if that has like an awareness in britain do you know what keeping up appearances is jackson uh no i'm really proud of it okay it's about this woman who's named uh hyacinth bucket um and she's just like a like a lower she's like you know, she's like working class or whatever, but she perceives herself to be like highfalutin. And so she like goes around with her like weary henpecked husband and tells everyone her name is actually Hyacinth Bouquet. Um, and it's just about her like pretending to be higher class when she is not. I um, thought that show was like the friends over there. I thought that show was like, <laughs> or not the, like the Jeffersons or something. I, I really surprised you don't know it. It's really big over here with like a certain class of people <laughs> the thing is the thing is uh was it pbs would show that and it would show um absolutely fabulous and uh that um the vicar what's that Dibley. department store department oh faulty towers no not faulty towers the department store one i've never seen faulty towers oh um i don't know what the department store one is called but i know exactly what you're talking about um are you being served oh that's it yes yes those are like the British comedies that like Americans of me and Destiny's age would have seen on television. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, but like um, you look at the stuff, right? And there is a lot of public school uh, mm-hmm. people went to Oxbridge uh, influence and all that. Usually, it's usually more the stand up and sketch stuff. Yes. Like those are usually people that end up in front of the camera. Yes. Uh, like the writer, like Roy Clark, is not didn't you know, didn't come through. Uh, yes, Oxbridge, but uh, you know Clive Anderson, presenter of Who's Lesson Anyway, totally went to Cambridge. Uh, yeah. it, it is often the people in front of the camera who went that who go that way, and it's not a hundred percent, but it is, it is hard to overstate how much th- these uh, like you know awful public school to prestigious university pipelines shape all of british culture we live in a hell hell country the thing so the thing about life of brian the reason i say this the the thing that struck me most about this is how much this movie is about this sneering contempt for like leftist infighting yes (laughs) where it's like ah there's six groups and they're all different names and who can keep them apart and they all believe the same thing and whatever they believe is stupid but they hate each other but they hate each other they're willing to to murder each other over these disagreements that don't matter to anyone with any common sense like us um and that's it that's like the whole thing one of the most revealing scenes in the movie which is like a famous scene and a classic like jokes about it and it's like what have the romans ever done for us uh oh well they gave us the aqueduct and they gave us roads and everything um and like that is a common refrain in the uk when talking about like roman development of civilization i guess mm. uh but as it is portrayed in the movie uh 
this is not in like a historical context of what like inventions Romans showed us for how to run a you know run our own empire. It is a blatant conversation about like dealing with the fact that we don't have the British Empire anymore. That is the only thing they are talking about. And it's like, well, we did bring civilization to all these places that rebelled against us, and when they rebelled, they're probably all in fighting anyway. It's like yeah. the only way you can like read these scenes. It's, it's, it's really it's, it's specifically about like, oh, these people say they want their freedom, but they want the stuff we gave them. We just want, they want us out when when we're done, right? Like, yes, it is rejecting anti-colonial thought. And the thing that I, that whole scene reminded me of because we've just fucking watched it is the end of the first part of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, where everyone sits down after they've taken the city and like we don't know how to run any of this shit and it's like the grand tragedy of like what what is freedom fighting for when you have no idea how to like nation build or like even sustain infrastructure because that's what colonizers like take from you and give you their version right like they might have known how to run a country 50 years ago but they don't know now because the british have been doing it But that, that's like in uh, in Lars of Arabia, you can at least read that as like an intentional tragedy of like. Yes, the, yes, no, what, that's explicitly a tragedy in there. Like that they have got their land back, but their land has been so like changed by the processes of colonialism, they are unable to run it, and thus colonial infrastructure is perpetually required, and this is how colonialism yes. transfers into neocolonialism. This is this is, is a feature of the system. Yes, like, but here it is just like you know these people just believe that. Um, <laughs> And that's just what they're talking about. It's. I was surprised how much this was the thing because I, I came out of it thinking like, I'm going to sound like a cartoon because obviously I latch onto the fa- the colonialism and imperialism stuff in this movie, but that's not me. That the movie is that. That's the whole film. <laughs> that's because the rest of it is like a bunch of dick jokes, which whatever. I don't think they're funny. A bunch of Jewish jokes that I'm like, no, I don't think any of you are allowed to say this. I don't actually know. I didn't look it up. If any of them are Jewish, but I'm like, no, oh, you should be doing. Well, you didn't look it up. You didn't look it no, up. I didn't look it up. I looked it up. Okay. There's there's something in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so you know at the end of the movie. Yes. That the uh when the 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 people's front of Judea or the Judean people's front I whichever one's the one they all hate finally the shows Jude- up. The Judean people's front who all who all go to do a suicide like attack in, in by which they stab themselves in the chest and fall over and like oh that didn't really do anything did it. <laughs> yes. Shows him. Uh, so- and they show up, and he's like doing a Hitler parody as the main guy. Uh, again, he's called Otto, and he was mostly cut out of the film. Uh, but originally, that joke was meant to be the reason people hated the Judean peoples from uh, was because they their interpretation of what it meant to be Jewish left out people like Brian, who were conceived through uh, you know imperialist uh, you know rape. Uh, and it was like a Zionist critique. It was the own, and it was. I think it's offensive because they use like they they put like a you know Star of David and put like spikes on it to make it look like a swastika. They do not have the right to do this. They are, they are not the people to be allowed to say this. But it is the only thing they cut out of the movie because they didn't want to offend Zionists. So that's the only part where they extended like consideration to what they were saying was this is too mean to Israel. It's weird because like knowing that there is like a cutout Hitler analog is like weird to me because there's so much of this movie that evokes like playing on that there's the bit where brian's like writing the graffiti and uh the 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 guy who's played by john cleese whatever is the centurion comes up and lies giving him a lesson on how pronunciation um of latin goes and he makes it right and he's like oh we write this hundred times and the way the exchange goes is like they're literally like doing like hail hitlers but hail caesars like it's met it's framed in the framework of like nazis and the way nazis interacted with the people who are being terrorized by nazis and yes. who in this movie are all jewish people <laughs> Yes. 
But that scene isn't about that. Like it, yeah, it, it's, no, there. But it's, it's there. in there. Yeah, it's in there. But that's in. Like I'm surprised Destiny likes it so much. But I'm also. I think that's because you have the context of like. Yeah, um, I British... didn't have that. Con- I did not pick that up at all. I was like, well, oh, no. it's like a dumb school joke. That that's what I meant. Is that this is a joke about going to private school? No human who hasn't studied fucking Latin is going to laugh at this. So it just feels like yes. these rich people waving their like education of oh, i know what the infinitive tense is in my face because i did you know i went to a grammar school which is not a private school i hated it uh but they had did you know i did a little bit of latin there and i fucking hated it and i'm like this is the like upper class culture that i despise being rubbed to my face as if it's relatable humor so i like hated that scene yes uh, yeah it's weird because it's like when i think about like if i had seen this at 10 or whatever when destiny saw it would i have liked this and the answer is like probably but i couldn't tell you why other than like people doing funny voices and goofy walks which has always yep. been the appeal in america to life of brian is like the comedy is all absurdist and there isn't a lot of absurdist comedy in modern american culture so it's exotic and weird to us and to be fair i think one of the only jokes that still lands is when he says because it's a silly it's a funny name it's a dick joke in a silly voice and there's it's, no and more to it than that. and he shows up like the actual guy who shows up, which is silly. yes, the part where biggest dickus ends up showing up and then also has a different weird speech impediment. I'm like, this is a little <laughs> much. The actual the actual joke about here that that is funny to me because like I didn't super love that they're like leaning on guys with speech impediments. It's like a little insensitive. It um, is, but the the bit that i love because ever like there's multiple jokes about like when he goes out to like who should i free and they keep everyone in the crowd keeps picking names with r's because he says his r's like w's like he's uh what's what's that guy's name i can't think of his name now suddenly jonathan ross i was saying i was gonna say um the, the famous like 1950s edwin he's got like an edwin voice almost kind of like yes, a british it, version british yes. yeah yeah, yeah. It's yes also that um, gag from the princess bride yes um yes exactly it's literally in the princess Bride. anyway um but the thing about the biggest dickest one is not is not that he's saying it's wrong necessarily. It's the it's the the guard who's trying desperately not to laugh, and then he does laugh. He's like, "Well, take him away into jail." And John Cleese like, "No, you have to." He's had a trying time. You can't just no. Take him away. He's to be killed. Um, I thought that that joke worked. Like that's the only one I'm like, man, I laughed at that. But like half this movie relies on it's really funny when Eric Idle's dresses a woman in a high voice. Like that's it. Yep. And it, I'm like. This sucks because when Eric Idle's playing any other character, I'm, I think Eric Idle's the funniest guy in this cast. I think he's like got charisma and he's like just got an energy that no one else does. Um, but like half the jokes are about him and has addresses a woman. I'm like, I don't like any of this shit. This is all very bad. I felt about Michael Palin, um, just being the mother it was silly, but like mm-hmm. it, 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 the jokes were just so stupid. Mm-hmm. But I appreciated him. I don't know. <laughs> like, there's even there's even this like protracted bit where they're sitting at the Coliseum or whatever watching the games, and like the, one of the members of the uh, People's Front of Judea comes up and is like, "Actually, uh, I identify as a woman now, and I'd like you like you all to like you know respect that." And John Cleese's character makes this huge to do about how uh, like he's going to he's going to like you know, offer marginal support, but undercut him every time he speaks to that character in like that way. And it's just going to be like nasty. I'm like, this is just the entire British perception of gender happening on this. It's in this movie. It's this yes. is what we're dealing with today. Like the whole country's mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Especially like the way the like trans plot line as it is get introduced. Cause it's not even treated like that. Uh, it is 
because even that is primarily a joke about leftists more than it is yes. about gender, uh, yes. which again is extremely revealing about how you know this stuff is uh, instrumentalized in uh, like discourse in British culture today. Uh, but like they have the whole scene and they talk about like, um, well, we, you know, we must we we should fight for this, this person's right to have uh, children, even if they can't biologically do do that and not understand like almost like. As their position that they put in this movie to eventually make fun of is like almost getting there of like yes no it is about the fact that like gender is a constructive thing and you do define these for yourselves uh, regardless of biological realities for individual people um, and that is just then just like dis- dismissed out of hand but then he, they they keep bringing this character back and changing what name they call uh, uh, they call you know them and I'm like even like myself like what, what pronouns do I need use for the character because I'm trying to be respectful because this movie that isn't respectful right because <laughs> right. it's a movie that is fucking gross mm-hmm. about it all. Uh, and it's just such a weird plot like because yes i think though that the thing that ties it together is the understanding that ultimately the the trans plot line isn't even like a classic british like transphobic plot line though it is that partially it is meant to be a joke about how leftists keep inventing new fucking terms why do they keep doing this shit the world is obviously what it is on the face of it yes uh, which is you know the underlying belief of a lot of british transphobia of today where you say that but actually you're just trying to justify uh continuing state violence yes yeah um it's a whole thing i don't know this this is a rough one yeah I don't know how much I like want to talk about. It. Like, it, there's other stuff. Like, you know, there's a bit where Jesus is giving a sermon and everyone's like in the backs, like can't hear you, and then they get a fight. And I'm like, this could, this is like not funny on its own, but it could have been funny. But instead, it's like a big long thing about like multiple like Jewish identified characters calling each other big nose and getting a big fight. I'm like, well, what are we doing here? Why? Why? Yeah, why is it this the thing? And then there was like when this movie came out, it was protested and everybody made a big stink of it. But I don't remember anybody saying it was anti-Semitic. I remember just people saying it was against christianity it was blasphemous yes yes and also also it's in, it was incredibly popular this is a beloved film it, it did really well so both in the uk money. and the us yes it was the fourth highest grossing fo- film in the uk of that year yeah and the the highest grossing british movie which you know in the us which is not like saying a lot necessarily but like it made its money back five times over it did well this is a popular film it's in it remains in the consciousness as a funny movie that people liked a lot and i just don't get it me neither that was the thing for me is that we've said all this like ideological stuff and that is all true and important and it's why i think this movie is disgusting but it can't be emphasized how uh for apparently like classic comedy guys these motherfuckers make every single joke go on too long this is all like watching a fucking tiktok when you should be watching a vine that's just just 70s comedy believe it or not like go back and watch the first season of saturday night live Everything yeah, but goes like, way yeah, too long. I also don't think the f- first scene of Satellite Live is going to be very funny. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just saying 70s comedy in general. Everything goes but, way too long. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I go back and watch classic Mel Brooks movies, which is like the like American mode of this, which is often very like you go back to those movies and there's they're insensitive in very similar ways in a lot of ways. But like, I think those movies are still mostly funny. I think yeah, those hold movies up. hold up. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, this the, like it's like there's not enough sketches, there's not enough weird shit. Um, there's like a whole very expensive aliens show up briefly and kidnap Brian and then crash. And I'm like, what are there's like a bunch of special effects? I'm like, what the fuck is happening suddenly? It's not funny. It's like a massive non sequitur for like yes. absurdist reasons. But mm-hmm. I'm like, this is in the movie because you wanted some Star Wars shots in the trailers. Like this is like yes. Star Wars has fucking like obliterated culture overnight. Is all yes. I can see in that scene. And then brings it around to being funny again, but not because the movie's funny. It's because because the what Star Wars into culture is abstractly funny to me. 
Yes. Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand. Like, I understand that there was this idea, and I think this is like definitely like a, a the culture shifted where like just being offensive was valued in a humorous way, right? Yes. Where it's like yes. you are you are lampooning things that people hold sacred. That in and of itself is funny, but like why that happened, the understanding of why that happens, and like who is getting attacked is like the thing that people have developed over time, and the stuff like this just I think falls out of taste. Like just I don't understand who would find this funny in twenty twenty one or even like ten years ago, but like definitely now I just look at this and I'm like. This is not what this is not what people value when we think of things that are like lampooning stuff, right? Yeah, and it makes me like want to go back and reevaluate my entire like view of Monty Python because I'm just like, does any of it hold up now? I have to go back and see. Because like, you're right, but on some level, I think it's there are a lot of things that are famous for being these like no holds barred lampooning comedies um especially against the church right you you get this is like you know watching this movie is like oh this is fucking reddit atheism before reddit atheism this is the whole the whole thing's already here it is purporting to be about just tearing down uh religious dogma and there's no there's no god actually and it's all a bit a bit silly and this is all nihilist about you know we make our own lives but really that is preaching the values of individualism against the sheeple who are all brainwashed by not even the fucking church by the leftists (laughs) like it is this whole thing is here and it is about how because all of the values of uh the church that is to say they like not religion itself but the the institution of the uh various western christian churches is the institution of the imperialism of this age and so it is in ultimately to- in complete sync with everything like powerful christians want no no i'm not talking about like the belief right all the people who sincerely you know just yes. like the movie's not about religion it's about the other stuff and the structures when i think when I, the thing is when i think of like why i why i liked monty python or uh, holy grail specifically and i've seen it a bunch of times um and it's been a while so maybe if i watched it it wouldn't hold up but like the thing i come to is like the comedy one is much more, there's much more non sequiturs. And I think they like do goofy shit more regularly. Um, like there's like a middle mid period animation that like really works. And there's like a bunch of stuff, but also I feel like the, the insight is being pointed at the culture they all live in, in a way that like feels more like self-reflective, even if they're not actually doing it. I think history has proven that they weren't self-reflecting on shit, but at least they were like talking about the world they grew up in, where there's like, you know, Arthuriana and British culture and the idea of what this, the like national identity was, which they are not doing here. They're going broad because they don't live this life. Yes. But even in the Holy Grail, there's like this stuff's in there, right? There's that whole thing, that whole bit about the guy who um you know the the peasant who's like talking yes. about the king about everything like that's a famous bit that is just that this stuff exactly yes. yeah 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 for sure that's so true um, but like there's you know just like uh it's all like just like the weird stuff like it's only a model and uh tis a silly place like with a musical sequence like that stuff would if that stuff was in this movie this movie would be better even if nothing else changed about it like there needs to be more absurdist shit like that that isn't like tied up in the like we're going for something we're like we have this axe to grind and we're gonna grind it all yeah. the way down yeah i agree well, the movie's too expensive right like one of the yes. funniest gags famously in monty python is the you know they don't have horses so they make yes. the clever noises great gag uh this movie begins huge shot camels riding they have camels yes. now they they yes. have they they have the money it's like but 
this wasn't you, you, you like yeah the the opening the opening shot is like people walking up to the sermon on the mount and it's like a bunch it's like a hundred extras going up a mountain and it's like judea you know like summer season uh afternoon tea time, time. For tea, right around tea time yeah um and i'm like you've already like lost the thing that made it interesting which was like it was cheap and you were making do like playing in a genre that's meant for epics but like not having the money to make the epic right yes I mean, like, Holy Grail is a movie that dissolves because a much cheaper police non-sequitur barges into set and, like, shuts the movie down. <laughs> yes, because it's, like, whole building up to an epic conclusion that they just they can't do, so they have to do an absurdist non-joke. Yes. Um, if this movie ended on that instead of, like, a bunch of people singing... And the worst part is the singing is probably the best part, but, like, by the end, I just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, same. Like I, re- that was the only thing I remembered about the movie going in. Is oh, they all sing at the end, and the song is really cute. But ugh, the rest of the movie is so bad that it's like it doesn't really, it doesn't affect me the same way when they all burst into song at the end of the Forty Year Old Virgin, which is a movie yes. that has its problems. But I actually think that movie is funny. <laughs> uh, that ending is also incredible. It's just good, it's good yeah. ending. <laughs> anyway, I have nothing else. If Jackson, do you have anything else? We got some questions. So let's let's get this done. Yeah. Um, if you would like to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send them about anything. I actually prefer it when they're not about the movie we're covering, but I mean, you know, um, if you have thoughts about the movie, go right ahead. But like this one, I'm like, oh, we're going to take a bunch of questions about this movie. We don't want to talk about anymore. And we did. (laughs) It's fine. I appreciate it. Everyone who writes in every time. Uh, first one is from Liv. I saw this film as a child, remembered enjoying it just fine. This time around, I think it's maybe the first truly terrible film Reptile Screenings have covered. I would agree with that. Yep. You're right on the money. (laughs) I know that a lot of our audience didn't really get on with Clerks. Clerks is a masterpiece compared to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Clerks at least made me genuinely laugh a few times. Yes. Uh, So little of this works on a basic being funny level. Uh, When you subtract the tired leftist infighting bits, the incoherent religious satire, and the homophobic, transphobic, and ableist gags, there's like 10 minutes of movie left. Uh, honestly, after all that, the note of cheery nihilism the film ends on was not at all deserved, just lacking that playfulness I remember Holy Grail having. In any case, what favorite sketch comedy groups do you all have? Are there any movies from uh, those groups that you remember enjoying? Brain Candy! Uh, I don't know what Brain Candy is. It's the Kids in the Hall movie. It's uh, okay. I've never of, seen Kids in the Hall. So. It's stupid as fuck, but it's still a fun movie. Um... I like Brain Candy. I like, uh, oh, what's the big, um, fucking state? You movie? really liked Mr. Show. Hot American Summer did a movie, which is fucking great. Uh, the, or excuse me, Wet Hot American Summer, which is the, technically the state movie, uh, mm-hmm. which was the big MTV sketch show. Uh, they all do Reno 911 now. I really liked, what was the one you just said? Mr. Show. I like Mr. Show, Show, but I think their movie's awful. I think that Run, Ronnie, Run movie's stupid. I haven't seen that movie. Mr. Show also has the problem where, like, you look at it and you're like, yeah, of course all these people are TERFs now. If they take away all the gay jokes, uh, there's no, there's barely any show. There's Hitler jokes left. Um, Yeah. And and I still have a lot of affection for Mr. Show, so that's (laughs) kind of fucked up, but I'll have to reevaluate. Rewatch and reevaluate, as always. Um... Sketch comedy used to be my thing. There's a lot of great SNL movies, of course. Um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of shitty SNL movies. My favorite SNL movie is probably Coneheads. Mine's Blues Brothers, but Coneheads is a good second. Blues Brothers is probably second for me to Coneheads. I don't know. Blues I Brothers is my favorite comedy, I think, period. So. Oh, interesting. I don't know what my favorite I love Blues Brothers. I, me too. Um, 
but yeah, Brain Candy, like when I think of a sketch comedy movie, I think of Brain Candy, and it's it's not even like a great movie. I just have a lot of affection for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I need to watch... Um, the movie looks terrible, is a problem. And I'm like, how? I need to see it, because I need to see Miss March, which is some like uh, mid-2000 sex comedy, but it's from the whitest kids you know, guys, and the whitest kids you know, fucking hilarious. Rip to Trevor Moore. Uh, so I've, I'm curious how that movie is, because that is, I think, just like a regular movie. I don't think it's a sketch movie. Um, but uh, when whitest kids you know are funny, they're t- hilarious. I love the whitest kids you know. Um, my answer, I have two answers. Uh, I grew up watching In Living Color, which uh, I can't imagine anyone should watch in 2021 because many of its famous bits are transphobic and ableist and homophobic. Uh, but I sure loved it as a kid. Um, and they have a, they have a spinoff movie. Um, they had, they had a character, uh, that was, pl- uh, <laughs> that is just, you just can't do shit like this anymore. Um, but they had a character whose whole, it was called Handyman. His whole thing was he was a superhero who was disabled. Uh, and they made a movie out of this character and knew they couldn't do this. They stripped all of the like disabled jokes out and they just made the same movie and it's called Blank Man. And I remember liking Blank Man quite a bit. <laughs> Blank Man. Yeah. Essentially he was just really, really, really nerdy instead of disabled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 His whole <laughs> thing was that he was the, he was just like a, a nerdy black guy who just like, I, I could be Batman. I could invent the Batman stuff. And he makes really shitty gadgets and fights crime. And I remember it being a pretty good movie. Um, and then, uh, much, I bet this one holds up a little better, uh, was, uh, all that, which was the Nickelodeon sketch comedy show, uh, that I liked a lot as a kid. And they have a movie that I still fucking love called Good Burger, uh, which yes. is a great film starring, uh, uh, Cal Mitchell and Keenan Thompson. Uh, there's just about two friend, two people who work at a fast food joint and they don't really like each other. And then they kind of become friends and they go on some misadventures. And I fucking love it. I think that's a great film. <laughs> yeah, I do like that movie. It's the just... part where the part where they're for kids. Uh, so they can't be super offensive. helps a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's 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 what I've got. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, next question. Um, oh, that's not, that's for a different podcast. Uh, Yusuf writes in, uh, asking about our histories of Monty Python, which I think we did. Uh, bonus for Jackson's Monty Python's revered over in the UK as the Americans who are familiar with it make it sound like. Yes. Yes. Even now? Okay. I mean, it depends by whom, but yes. Okay. Uh, like, I mean... Is the UK still like run by fucking public school tastemakers? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, Matt Myers writes in. Please talk about your favorite sleepers in a particular genre. Uh, you know, you can find the best noir movies, but what's your favorite that might not make such a list of such genre things? Which I was like, could anyone think of anything in time? And uh, when I sent this, I think last night. And I've yeah. I've been like thinking about it, and I was like I had I had multiple people respond to me happy I shouted out the proposition as like a noir movie even though it's kind of a western which uh, it's both and it's good uh, you should watch the proposition that's definitely one of them. Um, Brothers Bloom is a movie I always shout out. It's like a screwball comedy, and everyone thinks of Rian Johnson as making like cool movies, and that's like not a cool movie in that way, but it's really good. I love Brothers Bloom. Um, I don't know. I feel like we cover we talk about a lot of this type of movie like. Just want some horror recommendations. I, we've given them many times, which is the one I feel most equipped to talk about. Like horror movies that are maybe not beloved, but like I think you're good and worth watching. But I think I've covered I a lot of the horror loves before. Mm-hmm. I know this is like 
anime so it's not really this podcast uh but you know we always go on about how um there are a lot of movies we watch that are like considered classics uh and for some reason culturally psychopaths the movie is not among them though it is that good <laughs> yeah it is that good absolutely god psychopaths the movie rips destiny you still haven't seen that right i still have not seen it yes have you um, seen the show? I am going to sit you. Yes, Destiny's seen the first the and show. second season. Yep. You watched the second season? You haven't watched the fucking movie with Destiny? It's because the person I watched the show with, I was waiting to watch the movie with them, and it just hasn't happened ah, yet. Ah, classic. Yeah. Well, fuck him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to watch it without him. <laughs> uh, Adam writes in, in honor of Life of Brian ending on a musical number, what is your favorite song made for a movie that isn't a musical? For some reason, the first thing that came to mind, it's technically, like, not like okay it was me specifically for this movie but there's a scene in Mulholland Drive where they go to a nightclub and this woman sings a cover of Roy Orbison's crying uh in Spanish it's Rebecca oh, uh cool. Rebecca Del Rio and it's so beautiful and and that was the first song that came to mind Mhm That's cool Song Jackson do you have any answers? Yeah, I was thinking about this but I was like songs are made for movies what do i but that are not musical movies because like i have a i have a bunch of answers that are like movies that are kind of slant musicals and that they have a couple musical numbers and that's weird there's the bit with um uh i got sold when i'm not a soldier from uh what's that movie called the the uh the the, the, the southern tales southern tales yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the only bit yeah. of southern tales i've seen it's the best you're, part like, of Jack, tales. you're like jack you have to see southern tales I'm like i mean i haven't seen it but i have seen that one scene and you're like ah, i guess you don't need to see southern tales <laughs> <laughs> But that song wasn't made for the movie. No, that song was made for uh, the Killers yeah. album Hot Fuzz. <laughs> yeah, I know, which is like one of my favorite albums. I just, it's what I think of, like you know. Um, yeah, I but, like, have a hard you know, time. You got like '90s movies and stuff. But like, if themes. we're talking, if we're talking about songs made for a movie, but like aren't like, do they have to be presented in the musical sequence of the movie? Because like, then it's Seal's Kiss from a Rose for Batman Forever. That's a sick song. It's one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite pairings of a song in a movie doesn't appear in the actual movie, so. Yeah, does it have to? Is it does it have to be an insert song? I guess yeah. to use anime parlance. Yeah, that's the question. Because <laughs> um, that changes things a little. That makes uh, it way harder to answer. I think is the problem. So, because yeah, normally like needle drops in um, movies are like licensed songs, right? They are meant to pull on some pre-established uh, association. Not always, um, but that's often how it goes. The fucking song from uh, Tokyo Drifter. I was gonna say. I was gonna say the song from Once. Was I once big over once. there? I think we. I've asked you this before. Um, I think it was. It, okay. You know, yeah. I feel like for a certain type of person in America, once blew up real big for about eighteen months. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Nobody thought right. of it again. Um, okay. Uh, next question is from Alex. Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't watch this movie because I watched Only Lovers Left Alive for a friend's birthday party. You made the right choice. You <laughs> made a good such movie. a good choice. Good movie. Um, Question, do you ever watch a movie that's sort of about liminal spaces and go around your house at night thinking of it as a liminal space? Um, um, I do this specifically. Actually, I've had this happen a lot lately. And it's not necessarily a movie, but like when I go on walks at night, I think about when I was like 17 and I just live nocturnally. And so I'd always be doing stuff at night. And it just reminds me of the strange world that exists when you're like nocturnal. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually. Yeah, that's that's kind of a. I don't do it as much anymore, but I definitely used to do it when I was whenever I was like um, 
often when I had seen a movie in, if I had gone to the Prince Charles in London, I was like coming back from the center of London at like half eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a good like weird liminal space feeling. Uh, but these days my life is a little too boring for that. I don't go out. There's not what you know. Who's going out? Where where would I go? Not me. I'm not going not to me. <laughs> right. Do you have an answer, Destiny? Not really. No, I'm sorry. Okay. If you could change one movie to have Orson Welles involved in some way, what would it be? Hmm. I would like to see Orson Welles' take on just about anything. Maybe James Bond? Damn. Damn. You know what? You could watch the original Casino Royale and get Orson Welles involved in James Bond. Oh, okay. I didn't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, Em's telling the truth, but it's it's not that good. <laughs> the, the Orson Welles scene is incredible. You get all the way to the end. He's like, I'm going to go to the table. I'm going to meet Le Chiffre or whatever and do the, the, the thing. It's just Orson Welles doing magic to camera for no, like, discernible really? reason. Really? YouTube uh, Orson Welles Casino Royale, but don't watch the fucking movie. Okay. I remember, I mean... I wouldn't watch the movie for a lot of reasons these days, but I remember thinking that movie was mostly pretty fun. Uh, it, it didn't hold up. There were bits, but it was kind of okay. flabby and boring. Um, what what movie do I want Orson Welles in? I mean, my gut answer... Um, no, never mind. That's not actually it. Changed my mind. I was going to say his thing, and I was like, I actually don't believe that thing. Never mind. I take it back. <laughs> um, what would be good to have Orson Welles in? I'm trying to think of like, you know, I don't just want like a great movie. What what would be really fun to just have Orson Welles show up in? Uh, I want Orson Welles as middle-aged Anakin Skywalker when he takes off the helmet. (laughs) It's Orson Welles. (laughs) But like, like I want I want more scenes with him, obviously. But when it's the Force Ghost, it's just Orson Welles. It's not. It's not Hayden Christensen. It's Orson Welles. Um. We deserve this. <laughs> I've got I've got a really stupid answer. Yes. I want Orson Wells as I forget his name, but the shitty Admiral at the back half of DS9. Oh my god, Admiral Ross? <laughs> Admiral Ross. I just want Orson Wells to show up and be Admiral Ross. I don't want to see it be different. I just want I just think that should be Orson Wells. Nice. We uh we deserve this. Um and then uh, what movie are you always down to watch? God, I don't know. Scott I don't really Pilgrim. rewatch movies like this. I would, I would, I mean, I guess I'd put on Scott Pilgrim. I rewatch uh, Scott Line. Pilgrim a lot. West Side Story. Uh, used to be Lord of the Rings. I'd put on Lord of the Rings just all the time. Um, I mean, long time. it's still Lord of the Rings, right? Like, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that you are currently watching it or rewatching it. But if someone put on Lord of the Rings, you're not going to complain. Yeah, uh, that's fair. When I was a kid, I would always sit down to watch three movies: The Breakfast Club. Shawshank Redemption and Selena. Great. Uh, I guess I'll say I don't know from Dustal Dawn. I'll watch oh that right yeah, now. damn! I right watched Dustal Dawn right now. Ooh yeah, good choice. <laughs> Shit, that's a good movie. Um, then we have questions from Tron. Uh, really dislike Life of Brian, so I'll only ask one question about it. Here's my question: Were any of you surprised about what Life of Brian was? I'd never seen seen it. it. I'm the only one. Yeah. I actually, I thought, so I knew this was a movie about a guy who was like a contemporary of Jesus, but I assumed the story was going to be more about like, he was the actual Messiah and Jesus was like this pretender and his just frustrations going through life, trying to get people to believe him. That's what I thought the the pitch for Life of Brian was. It writes itself, that movie. (laughs) 
and like that i'm not saying it's a good movie but it is a more obvious example of like the thesis of what the pitch is then yes. it's a movie about multiple leftist infighting fronts uh, against yes. imperialism yeah i thought it was way more focused on the religious aspect um, yes. than it is uh what's your favorite movie about jesus uh or have, or any biblical movie have i seen any bit like any period bit because i'm like i mean I, I could just say the ascent uh but right yeah uh, my my favorite okay my favorite biblical movie uh, with a bullet is Last Temptation of Christ. We're probably going to watch it for this because neither Destiny or Jackson have seen it. We'll do that eventually. I don't know when, not right away. Um, I think that movie's fucking incredible. Uh, I really like Noah. Noah's a great film. Love Noah's Noah. so good. Um, <laughs> uh, God, I had another one too, and I was like, mm, now I don't remember what it was. Shit, lost it. Last Temptation of Christ. Or not last. Uh, what's the what's the Mel Gibson movie? That movie fucking sucks. Oh, the, yeah, The Passion of the Christ. Yes, that movie's terrible. Oh, um, Prince of Egypt. Great film. Great Prince movie. Great, yeah. Everyone loves Prince of Egypt. Great soundtrack. Love it. Anyone who dislikes Prince of Egypt is on one. <laughs> who could that be calling out? <laughs> I don't know. Who could possibly be calling out? Great film. I was surprised. I like. I, because I think it came out when I was a kid and, you know, got played a lot in school, I just assumed that for everyone, Prince of Egypt is just like an accepted all-time classic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, wasn't until, like, seen it. I showed it to Destiny like three years ago. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Yeah, it wasn't until I grew up. I realized, oh, that was kind of more of like a underground, the wrong term, but like you know, it wasn't Disney big. Yeah. No. Um, if you started to get signs from a higher power, or if a higher power spoke to you, what would you do? I'd listen to them. I think. I'd I think be I'd all probably about listen it. to them. I'm a pagan. I'm waiting. I'm I'm out here trying to incite that shit. What's the what's the Michael Shannon movie where he hears a voice? He it's like a he he's got to basically like build a shelter instead of an ark, but it's like a Noah story. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Nope. Oh, I did like Noah. Now that I'm thinking about biblical movies. That's Take Shelter. Think. Take Shelter is the name of the movie. Oh, okay. I don't know it. It is a movie from 2011. Uh, Michael Shannon just plays this guy who like hears hears voices or like gets a sign that he should that there's like a flood coming and everyone doesn't believe him. It's good. I don't know. Should watch um, um the second coming, I guess. Uh, if you were ta- oh, go ahead. I was gonna say that's a two-part TV series uh, that Rusty Davis wrote with Christopher Eccleston before they made Doctor Who about Christopher Eccleston being Jesus, but in Manchester in the early two thousands. Is it good? I've not seen it, but I like okay. Rusty Davis. Maybe yeah. it's good. That could go um, many ways. <laughs> If you were tasked to make a movie in the style of Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within about a messiah figure, what would the movie be like? It'd probably be like Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within. Um I mean, it would just it would just it would just be the Matrix with CG, right? Like that's that's the movie. You just described the movie. It exists. It's called The Matrix. They're making a fourth one. It's gonna be fucking terrible. Oh, it's gonna be so bad. Every time I get a chance to talk about how the Matrix 4 is going to be a bad movie, I will. <laughs> You've already made the bad movie. You just came here to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. All right. Plugs, Destiny. Wait. Uh, what? Oh, next time. Right. No, I actually have a... want to oh. go back. Awesome Wells recasting idea. Okay. Just ready, for, just ready for this one? Okay. Yeah. Awesome Wells as the guy in the net. Ooh. Oh, I've never Ooh. seen the net. Destiny, you gotta see the net. <laughs> Destiny, you gotta see the net. I'll watch it for next time. Um, I think I have a DVD somewhere around here. So that's um, fucking good. Anyway, uh, again, emails uh, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail dot com. Thank you for all your emails. Next time we are watching 
Unforgiven, right? That's what we decided on. Yes. The Clint Eastwood film, which uh, none of us have ever seen, I don't think. So we're doing it. Just dad films all the way down, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Destiny, plugs. At Fridge Buzz Now and my other podcast, Battling Girls, can be found on abnormalmapping.com slash battlinggirls. Jackson. Uh, I am at Headfuls Off at Twitter.com. You can find the podcast at me and MD at abnormalmapping.com. Listen to them. Uh, they're good. We've got some new ones coming out soon. We've got, uh, we just recorded a Beach House on Akira. Oh, it's like, a, we have a new podcast? Not that I know of. <laughs> no, no, just some, just some new, new episodes, podcasts. Yes. Generally, yeah. not. Yeah. yeah we do. Um, we do have Bag and Book Club, which is not there. That's it. Well, yeah, you should, you should go, you should go, go to exportodd.io slash bagend. Our, me and Jackson, our friends, uh, Autumn and Nora are reading through The Hobbit right now. We're reading through all Tolkien two, every two weeks. We do, we do some Lord of the Rings stuff. It's going to be good. Um, I'm really excited. We have the next recording coming up this week. I got to read some fucking Hobbit. The Hobbit. The Hobbit. The um, Hobbit. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, for $1, you get the great Gundam project. We recently started watching Planetes and we're watching Turn A Gundam, which is an incredible show. Um, at $5, you get blockbusters where we t- watch movies and talk about, we watch movies that are m- more like this one. This would have been a, a blockbusters film if we'd known what the fuck it was about. Um, and, uh, we talk about like in way, the ways in which they represent culture and get really deep into like doing just like hard crit on what they're like, what movies are trying to say script wise. Um, and we're about to do a zero dark 30 episode. It's probably going to be next weekend. Uh, not this one because things are busy, but I uh, yes. look forward to that. Um, and then at $10, you get uh VoIP life, which is me and Jackson just goofing off doing a bunch of like random stuff. We have a quiz coming out soon. Uh, that when I can edit it's it. It's gonna be incredible. I just promise it is worth ten dollars. <laughs> it's so it it's one of our funniest episodes, but you have to I don't even want to reveal the gimmick, but I no. I, I honestly think it's worth ten dollars all on its own. And uh right, you know, right now I'm still looking for a job, so thank you everyone who supports me or supports us right now because it, it literally keeps us going. Um things would be much more desperate if I didn't have a Patreon. So uh thank you everyone uh who supports us. We'll be back next time. Until then, movies, now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs>